What's in a name? When you think about that phrase, what's in a name, uh, you often come up with all kinds of thoughts that attach themselves to various names, don't we? We do that all the time. For example, uh, if I mention the name Rockefeller or Kennedy or Gates, automatically we, we think of affluency or, or the ability to have uh, a little bit of influence and power that goes with that money. If I wanted to go locally, if we said things like Ursay or Simon or Hudnut, uh, we would think about those people who have great influence or uh, might have some kind of control or power in, in those uh, days where they, they served and reigned. We do that with names. So what's in a name? In the in area of entertainment, if I said Elvis, you know, 95% of people, Elvis Presley, right? They don't think of anything else. They automatically think of that one. Even now, after all these years, that's the immediate thought. Or if you say share, you know, it used to be sunny and share, but just share. Then you think of that individual who gave great entertainment. How about this one? Yoda, you know? You know, everybody else had to have two names, right? Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, but not him. It was Yoda, you know? And we associate certain things with certain names. We do that in the area of sports. If I use the name Michael, even today, 95% of the world would know you're talking about Michael Jordan. And if you have other names there, like LeBron or Kobe uh, in the world of golf, if you said Tiger, you would automatically think of Tiger Woods. Of course, nobody else names their kid after a wild animal, but, but you, you would think Tiger Woods. And in the area or the world of soccer, even today, if I said Pele, you would know who I'm talking about. You see, we do that with a lot of different names. We associate certain things with names. It's true biblically. If I throw out names from the Bible like Abraham, Isaac, David, Solomon, the Apostle Paul, I mean, you automatically, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been around the Bible very long, you associate those names with certain stories or certain things that happened in Scripture. There are a few that you would not have good thoughts about. Herod, in the first Christmas story, and two years beyond, he wanted to kill every young male under the age of two because he didn't want a rival king. Or if I said Pilate, he's the guy that said, well, what do you want to do? And they said, crucify him, and Pilate said, okay. And he gave in. Tried to wash his hands of it. You would associate certain things with those stories. If I said the name Lucifer, you know, the angel that was created by God, in fact, the most beautiful, according to Scripture, that God had ever created, he even set Lucifer on the mountain of God, and Lucifer was to be that way, but in his arrogance and his pride, God threw him out of heaven and onto the face of the earth, never to come to stay in heaven again. You would associate certain things with certain names. So what's in a name? So I decided to think about a few of our leaders around here, and I decided to look up what their name means. For example, I looked up Paul because of Paul Vink, our, uh, one of our elders around here, and Paul means humble. Okay? And then I looked up Dave for Dave Mann, 
uh, Dave Mann is sitting over here, chairman of the elders this year. And I looked up Dave and I said, I wonder what Dave means. You know what it means? It means beloved or brother, you know. Fits him. I looked up Casey, you know, for our new senior leader, Casey. And I want to know what that meant. You know what it means? Watchful or vigilant. I looked up Fred or Frederick. You know what that means? Peaceful ruler. Kind of like it. But then I decided to go to one of the elder elders because I had no clue what this name meant. You know, Ned Phillips, one of our elders, and I looked up Ned. Now, you may want to get to be friends with Ned after this message because it means wealthy guardian. Get to know Ned right after this service, okay? That kind of thing. So what's in a name? What's in a name? That's a great question. And you look through Scripture, and you find out that God pointed, in the first Christmas story, He pointed to Jesus through His family, through the various names we studied out last week in the first part of Matthew 1, verses 1 to 17. Casey pointed out the various names there and how they came down and through the lineage of Abraham and then David and all the way to Jesus. And all those names... And Jewish history had something to do with our Savior coming to this earth. And today, I want to take that a step further. And I want you to to take a look at a passage of Scripture in Matthew 1 where God points to Jesus through His family. You'll find it in Matthew, the first chapter. You're going to begin in verse 18. We're going to go down through verse 25. And this is what the Bible says. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, and you know what that means, before they had any intimacy with one another, before that happened, she was uh, found uh, to be with child through the Holy Spirit of God. Now, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her Quietly. Now, you have to understand in the early culture, the Jewish faith and religion, that there were three phases in the marriage relationship. There was the initial courting date set up by your moms and dads. You had no choice. And then, after that was set up, there came a time where engagement began. And that was a year-long process. And the, the young woman, the female, was considered married at that point. Now, they weren't yet living together. They weren't yet uh, together physically, uh, none of that. Uh, But uh, they were uh, engaged. They were married in that sense of the word. And then came the culmination at the marriage ceremony with the vows that were exchanged and, of course, to live together forever. Okay? And so it was in this stage that they were engaged. And in that stage, if something happened that broke the confidence of the man in that stage... Uh, he could write a letter of divorce and hand it to the woman and tell the priest about it, and they could break the relationship. Didn't happen very often. Sometimes a female could if the guy was really, really whacked out and the priest knew about it, but most often the man was able to do that. So he had it in his mind, Joseph did, to divorce her quietly to save her disgrace. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, the conception, the pregnancy in your body comes from God's Spirit and from nowhere else. She will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet and the prophet Isaiah, if you know this passage. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her. Okay? No hanky-panky, nothing before marriage. Had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. Afterwards, we know from Scripture that Joseph and Mary began a family, and Jesus had siblings. And they didn't even believe in him. That's for another preaching time. And he gave him, Joseph gave the baby, the name Jesus. So what, what do we have to learn from this section of the story? What's in a name? Well, we begin by looking at one part of the story, and it simply teaches us that, that God pointed to Jesus with his family history. God pointed with his family history. You see, in the Jewish faith, genealogies were very, very important. You could not claim a piece of land. You could not claim a flock of sheep. You could not claim any cat. You couldn't claim anything unless you had the paperwork to prove where you came from. You were descended from, you came from, and right down the line. And all those things were recorded in the temple in Jerusalem, and they were kept so that if something came up and someone wanted to dispute that, you could prove it. You could go right there and know exactly where they came from. And that's why the genealogy in the first part of Matthew is so important to us. Because we know where Jesus came from. And God pointed to Jesus with that family history. Now, you'll notice in that family history, in that genealogy, that there's both human heredity and divine heredity. Because royalty is always dependent upon heredity. If you want to be the king of England, you better belong to the royal line. If you want to be a ruler in some nation still in the world, then you better come from the right line of people. There is no exception, and you have to be able to prove that you came from that line. If you come out of the dark shadows of the world and say, hey, I'm the long-lost son of King George IV, you better be able to prove it. You see, that's what genealogies were to the Jews. And in this genealogy of Jesus, you have not only his human heredity, but his divine heredity as well. It's important that you know that the Jewish faith leaned on this. It's interesting that in Matthew 1, it takes from Abraham down to David, and then from David to his son Solomon, and then Solomon on down to Jesus or to Joseph. So Joseph was descended from David through Solomon. But if you look into Luke, the third chapter, you find out that, that, uh, that Mary, the mom the mother, she was descended from David through Nathan, his son. And so both Joseph and Mary were descended from David, King David, so both 
carried the heredity of royalty. Both. Now, God always had it in his plan that he would do this. God always had a plan on how to bring salvation to us and how to bring a Savior into the world. How do we know that? Well, over in Ephesians, the first chapter, because of the genealogy and because of the history, we find a passage of Scripture that helps us understand this. In Ephesians, the first chapter, beginning in verse 3, the Bible says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Now notice the phrase used, in Christ. And notice what I'm going to emphasize as I read the rest of this passage. For he chose us in Christ, in him, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. This is the only form of predestination that's ever taught in Scripture. You become a son of God, a child of God, through Jesus Christ. That's it. Theologically, that's it. All the other predestination that you hear about is made up by man. This is the only biblical predestination that we know of. He goes on to say that, that in his love he predestined us to be adopted as his son through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one Jesus that he loves. And in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and all understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head. And that's Christ. In Christ. In Him. Through Him. By Him. Under Him. Did you notice all the references in Ephesians 1 to God's plan for our redemption, for our salvation? It came through Jesus Christ. You see, God had that plan all along. And through the genealogies, He pointed. He pointed to Jesus through His family history. And all of Jewish history looked forward to the fulfillment of that baby that would be born, and he would be called Jesus. So God pointed through, to Jesus through his family. But secondly, God pointed to Jesus with Joseph, his earthly father. Now, I might also throw in his adoptive father, right? Because divine heredity tells us that Joseph really had no dealings here. That the Holy Spirit brought the conception in the virgin. Okay? Now Joseph, poor guy, he must be the most uh, uh, left out guy, forgettable man in the whole Christmas story. Don't you think? I mean, once he had the dream and once he named the baby Jesus, he kind of disappears. And then he shows up just by reference. And then he shows up when Jesus is 12 years old. When he's at the temple and he's stumping the religious leaders and Joseph is leaving town and they can't find him and they go back to get him and after that, nothing. The forgettable man of the first Christmas story, although he's not really. 
if you read the text and, and you understand what it says about Joseph in these few verses in Matthew 1, it tells us that, that Joseph was a righteous man. That means he was right with God. He was an obedient man. He did what God asked him to do and obeyed what the angel told him. And he was an honorable man. He not only was going to save face for Mary, but he also would not touch her physically until after the birth of the Savior. He was an honorable man. And I believe that's why God used him the way he used him. Joseph was basically the adoptive father, the earthly father, who stepped out of the way so God could step forward. He knew his assignment. He knew God's will. He knew God's plan. And he just did what God called for him to do. You see, God pointed to Jesus through Joseph. Now, that also brings up the idea of Mary... You know, Joseph was going to marry her and make her his bride, and she was going to deliver the Savior of the world. And so, in that sense, we got to know that in this text, it uses the term virgin. And over in Luke, the first chapter, we find another passage that uses the same concept for us as well. As we look at Luke 1, you find these verses, beginning in verse 26... Because it says, now in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You'll be with child and give, him, uh, give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. Now, isn't that exactly what the angel had told Joseph as well? You'll give him the name Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. There it is. Royalty depends on heredity. From the father David, from the, the king David... He'll sit on that throne, and guess what? He'll sit on that throne forever. No one will take Jesus off that throne, okay? And he'll sit on the throne of the father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? There it is again, I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. If you don't mark any other verse this morning, you better mark that one. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. You see, if you notice in that story, inspired writer, Holy Spirit inspired, inspired writer, Matthew and Luke, both inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells a story of a Holy Spirit conception. Not human but Holy Spirit, with a virgin who was 
found favor, finding favor in the eyes of God. And so we know that, that Mary was also used to point to Jesus as the soon coming king, and he would rule on David's throne, and his kingdom would never end. See, God was pointing, wasn't he? He was pointing. He was pointing through the family history, and he was pointing through Joseph and through Mary, and that genealogy, that lineage, that family history, and Joseph and Mary were pointing to the Savior of the world, Jesus. Which brings us to the third thing we learn here today. What's in the name? <laughs> What's in the name? Well, God pointed to Jesus through his name. Through his name. He began with Emmanuel. Emmanuel simply means God with us. And that means that, that, that God, uh, in the form of his son, uh, left heaven and came to earth. Philippians 2, verses 7 and 8 tell us that, that, uh, that when Jesus came, he took on human form. He took on the form of a servant and became obedient even to death, which was death on a cross. So that tells us that, that in that scenario, that, that Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us, in order to be with us, not only during that time, but then when Jesus would leave after the resurrection, who stayed? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary, the same spirit who inspired the writers of the New Testament story and the Christmas story would then be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. He used the name Jesus. And Jesus means the Lord saves or Jehovah is salvation. It comes from the common Hebrew name Joshua. You say it in Hebrew, it's Yeshua, you know, Yeshua. And, and Jesus, that name meant the Lord saves. He's going to bring salvation. In fact, didn't he say when you name him Jesus, he'll, it'll be done because he will save his people from their sins. Ah, yeah, what's in the name? <laughs> There's an awful lot in this name. Now, there are a lot of young boys, a lot of little boys named Joshua in that day. There are a lot of little guys running around, and, and, and Joshua, and everybody would have said, well, how do we know? I mean, how do we know this guy, this one, this one right here, how do we know he is the Messiah, the Savior? How do we know? Uh-oh. Better go back to the genealogy. Get her book. Better go back to all the begets and begets and beget and beget and beget. And by the way, did you notice that in the genealogy in Matthew 1, after all the begets in the King James, here in the NIV it says, And Eliezer was the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. Joseph didn't beget Jesus. He was the husband of Mary who gave birth. There's the divine heredity. There's the genealogy that would point to Jesus. That one right there. The son of Mary. That's the Savior. Him. Huh. 
Jesus. He was also called the Christ, both in the genealogy and later on. Christ meaning the anointed one of God, the one who was set apart, the one who came as the Savior. It's the Greek word. Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew of Messiah. And the Israelite nation for years and years and years had longed for the Messiah to come, to be with them. John, the first chapter, shows us that. If you go back and read in the genealogy that John gave, we don't call it that, but you'll see it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hmm. Verse 2 says, He was with God in the beginning. Who's it talking about? It's talking about Jesus. We jump down to verse 12. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, children born of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but He was born of God. Hmm. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, He has made God known. John was right. There is something in a name. So what's in that name? What's in the name of Jesus? Well, Jesus was his name. Christ was his title. Emmanuel told us who he was. You put them all together and it says God with us. Jesus Christ is God. And in that name, in the name of Jesus, you find salvation. You find salvation. And it's only in Him. According to Acts 4.12, it's only in that name that you must be saved. In John 14, it's only Him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. And that's Jesus. So what's in a name? In the name of Jesus, you can find salvation. You can find forgiveness of your sins. And you can find eternal life. It'll last forever because he's on the throne. This morning you have that opportunity. If you've not followed Jesus, if you've not given your life to him, if you've not claimed him as your Lord and Savior, you can say, you know what? I want Jesus. Yeshua. The Lord saves. I want him as my Savior. You can do that today. If you need to talk that out with a counselor, you can do it in the next step room. But if you want to come down front and meet with our prayer partners, you can do that as well. Whatever you need to do today, whatever decision you need to make, especially the decision to follow Jesus, hmm, do it now. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. While we sing, you come. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful that you gave us your plan. And your plan came through Jesus and in the Christmas story, through family history and through Joseph and Mary and through the name of Jesus, you pointed to our salvation. And you said our salvation is secure in him. So God, today, we lay ourselves before you. We ask you for the privilege of coming and knowing Christ as Lord. And so God, please, today, if there's anyone here 
even one who needs salvation, who needs to be saved from their sin. I pray they'll come to Jesus, who is both Lord and Savior, and in whose name I pray. Amen and amen.